Hello everyone, and welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we've got John. It's uh, it's like the first real week of the offseason after the Nuggets beat the Heat last week in the finals. So now, it's technically the offseason. <laughs> and uh, a lot of rumors swirling around. Big trade has already been made. It affects the Kings division. John, you want I want to break down that trade real quick. Well, yeah. No less than like 48 hours after it got broken that the Kings were in play for him, the Suns pulled off a trade for Bradley Beal, who not too long ago averaged over 30-plus points a game, in case anybody's new to basketball here. And they got him for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and I think a couple of second-round picks. But um, as light of a load as that seems in exchange for Beal, and it does seem light, I think the biggest explanation for that is the fact that Bradley Beal's contract was gargantuan, and it also had a no-trade clause. But that was more, I mean, Beal was open to obviously getting traded to the Suns, as he was open to the Kings, and I think another team. Is there, I have a question. Yeah. Like, does the no trade clause <laughs> carry over to the Suns? Uh, it's in the contract, so I would imagine. But, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's my guess. That's my yeah. guess. But I know that the no trade clause that's in Beal's deal is not very common, especially in big contracts. Like, that was an odd thing. Which played into the whole idea, especially last season when it was like, because there was some Beal talk, at least rumors, people trying to start a narrative, but it seemed like he was pretty committed for lack of a better term to the wizards. Right. I mean, you kind of have to be, I mean, you're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about a contract, his large contract. He's set to make 46 million this year, 50 million. What? <laughs> Sometimes when I hear that, I'm like, what? Then 53 million. And then in 2026, 27, he has a player option, but he's set to make 57 million that year. So I don't know why he declined that. So, I mean... Yeah, how old will he be then? He'll be 33. So, he'll be 34 in his first unrestricted free agency uh, in a minute. And then he'll probably take a veteran minimum and go to a team that'll actually win a championship. Yeah, because... Because <laughs> he won't be being paid like a freaking lump sum. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, the Suns are really tacking on $200 million over the next four years for Bradley Beal, who's going to be 30 this year. Still a good player like John Staines. He hasn't played 60 games, though, in any of the last four seasons. Only about 90 games in the last two. So he's injured a lot. But, I mean, I think we were kind of talking about this before. Is like, well, you know, it's a Kevin Durant team. Like, the Nets were never fully healthy. But I guess the Nets never really did anything either. It's not new with uh, Kevin Durant-led uh, super teams, it seems like. Yeah. What is, so this is technically his third super team? If you don't count OKC, which was a natural one. Yeah, I, I would call that natural. Yeah, it's technically his third now. Man. It's his yeah, it's his fourth team, right? OKC, Warriors, Nets, Suns. He's never been alone. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I mean, aside from when he first started out. But he had Nick Collison. He had Nick Collison. <laughs> the 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 charge master himself. Dude, you gotta respect a guy like that. Yeah, Nick Collison. But yeah, I mean, obviously, this is the Suns uh, who are in the Pacific Division like the Kings. Not like it 
think divisions really matter anymore. I don't know. How, how do you feel about this trade? Um, I'll give you an answer, but I want to preface it by saying that it's like, what, they have five guys on their roster right now? Yeah, they have Durant, Booker, Beal, <laughs> Aiton, Cameron Payne. Those are the only guys actually signed for a contract next year. Right. So it's very early. Even for the Kings, there's a ton of decisions to be made that we will discuss some of them in a bit. But it's so early to tell. But just, you know, I would say one of the things that's concerning for Kings fans probably is you see something like this where, okay, they only have five guys on their roster, but they have arguably three of the best scorers in the NBA backed by one of the best big men in the league in Aiton. That is a shining light for one-year deals, veterans coming in, guys that want to just come in and really get that chance at a championship, a la what you saw with the Warriors, probably more when Durant was there. And, I mean, how fitting. But, uh, you know, this team, I think, is going to attract a lot of free agents. And, obviously, I think that the Kings, especially if they pull off some of the moves that they're aggressively pursuing, like, I still think the Kings have a chance to be better by the end of the regular season. I mean, you talk about the injury concerns and the availability concerns of Durant and Beal. You, you get into things like, well, the Kings really have an advantage. I mean, they were one of the healthiest teams last season in the league. So you already see that 82 games of the regular season, the Kings are probably, they have a very good chance of finishing ahead of the Suns. But come playoff time, you have that kind of star power. You have that kind of offense, uh, that many options to go to, that can that can get that can get scary. So it's still super early. We don't know what the rosters look like. I feel like the main effect. I feel like if you're gonna be scared of it, that's really gonna surface the most in the playoffs. It's so early to tell in so many different capacities. But I mean. The Suns are swinging for the fences, as you noted. That's just kind of where they're at, and they got to do it. Uh, I think if I were a Suns fan, especially after years of like just being like really bad forever, and maybe arguably not even making much of an effort to swing for the fences, as it were, to just see them in a position where they have to do that, and they're doing it like in a way that's you know when people are admiring the Beal trade they're admiring the fact that it was not just a Bradley Beal but a Bradley Steel some people think <laughs> with the way that the uh, trade went down and what they got in exchange but I guess we'll just have to see but the Suns first move okay we'll see what happens after that it'll be interesting I think it kicks off what could be a very very I mean we say this every summer but there's a lot of interesting things maybe because it revolves around the Kings in terms of some trade talk and uh, people revere the Kings as one of the best teams in the Western Conference as they are. I think that might add to the intrigue from this particular angle of covering or watching the Kings. So maybe it does mean a little bit more when I say like there are a lot of interesting things to look for this offseason. It could be a very riveting chain of events. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of that's kind of the big picture again to answer your question. Like it's just like it's too early to tell, but it's a good first move for Phoenix, and it'll be interesting to see how the Kings and other teams in the conference respond. I mean, like you said, the Kings were linked to Beal. And even when the, the trade happened with the Suns, it, it, it's, the Shams did report that uh, Beal did pick 
the Suns over other trade offers. And there were saying there there was a trade offer from the Kings. Not exactly sure what that would have looked like. Maybe nothing that crazy considering what the Suns got or had to give up to get Beal. So, but I, I don't know. What, do you have any idea what you think a Kings package would look for Beal? I mean, it, it had to be very insignificant, right? Because, I mean, what are you giving up for a guy that's going to be making $57 million at 33 years old? It just doesn't seem like a Monte move. Monte. Monte. I think the thing that would have been interesting is I, I, I would be willing to bet that they were somehow trying to tie Holmes to it because they'd have to, right, with the money? Yeah. So I don't even know if that that's, like, accurate to say that, oh, Beal picked the Suns. I mean, like, who knows? The Suns, the Wizards could have been like, yeah, the, let's take the Kings one away because we're not taking – Rashawn Holmes' contract, which, I mean, honestly, though, why would the Wizards be so averse to that? So maybe Beal did pick Phoenix. But again, to answer your question, I feel like that Holmes deal had to be part of it. And then maybe a young player in a couple seconds or something. I don't Yeah, right. It just didn't. I don't know. At the end of the day, I, just, I didn't want the Kings to get that contract. Yeah, like Bradley Beal and Fox and Sabonis would be, a, you know, just maybe not as fun, but pretty close to being as fun as Durant, Booker, and Beal, right? But um, it's just that contract. You, you're trying to, you know, you already have Fox extended, but you're going to have to extend Sabonis after this season, Murray in a couple of years, hopefully. And just taking on that contract too much. And then it, like, why I think it might be a bad trade for the Suns and probably what a lot of people are saying, you got five guys on the team right now. Like, what's the depth going to look? like uh, off the bench. I mean, you already got rid of Bridges and Johnson last season. They're just really dwindling that bench and getting a guy like Beal and having most of your cap space and four guys and like good, you know, four good guys, four good players, but (laughs) you still need what? Seven other guys to fill out the team on a nightly basis. So, yeah, I mean, but I mean, when you think about it, it's like they really only need to like, add four or five guys that are kind of like legitimate veteran talents. Like I said, I feel like they're going to attract people. That's the type of team you take less money for to play for. Uh, just yeah, given their of, proximity to a championship. I would go ahead and say what you were going to say. I'm though. just going to say like vets, like, I don't know, but that's, we, we've seen vets try to sign on for teams like this and just, you know, try to make the vet super team. Remember the Lakers, I think the year after they won the finals thing in 21, they had like, Rondo still, then they got like Carmelo Anthony, then they got Dwight Howard, then like this this like whole team where if it was like two thousand eight, you know, they would have probably won eighty two games. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, you can get some bets, but just because they're big name bets doesn't mean that they're still in their prime and gonna function as better as you know or as good as real prime role players, right? Yeah, but I mean I still think it gives you a range of options. It's so early at this point that there's still it's not like they have slim pickings and they have to pick like guys that are a little beyond their uh, or, or way beyond their prime or whatever. Mm-hmm. They can get some impact players. Of course, that remains to be seen. You do have to take that into account that they might just end up getting guys that have more value to their name than to what they can provide for the team. That could easily happen. But the thing that I would point to had the Kings traded for Beal, the main concern I would have, and maybe the main concern I have for Phoenix is just that like, how's your defense what's your defense like you know Beal's not exactly a defensive I mean like I wouldn't call him like a complete like 
just ragdoll over there, but he's not going to impact your defense in a positive manner. Um, I mean, you might get a net rating boost because he's such a good offensive player, but that's when the injury stuff starts coming into play and whatnot. And, you know, I just feel like the availability and the defense just are the biggest issues or the biggest question marks. And then obviously probably the biggest obstacle in terms of like making it all fit for the Kings. And I think you would agree is that timeline thing just doesn't like Beal would help you for maybe a good couple of seasons in like a, a spectacular way. But then it's just like, what do you, you're not playing for that kind of short window. You got a bigger window than that. Yeah, very true. And, and credit to the Suns. I mean, they're built to win now with Durant, with Booker. I mean, Booker's still young and you can probably build around him a little longer, but you, you brought in Durant, you know, and if you have a, a Kevin Durant caliber player on your team, you're built to win this season. So mm-hmm. I get yes. why they did what they had to do. In credit to them, like for that reason, for those reasons, like that might have made the Suns the perfect fit for Beal and might have contributed as to why, uh, based on Sharonia's report, that uh, Beal basically had the Suns uh, as his number one at the end of the day. Yeah. Very true. It just kind of seems to work out for everybody in that in that situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Although the Wizards just like you sign a guy that puts a rare no trade con- uh, clause in his contract, you think you're going to have him forever. You really kind of almost are doing that, thinking that with oh with Porzingis and with Kuzma, we're going to really put together this team that's going to go for the Eastern Conference. It's just like man, did not make the playoffs these last two seasons. And they're just going to go ahead and rebuild. And it's just, man, the Wizards. Not not working a lot of magic up there, are they? <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, come on. Who actually thought that was going to work? Wes Unseld Jr.? I don't, I don't even think he believed. That's kind of like a like a, like a a legacy pick for the Wizards because yeah. oh, of, of his dad. And it's just like, yeah, he's going to come in and save the franchise. Yeah, I know. That worked. I mean, it's like at that point, it's just it's almost like the Kings, like when they had cousins, like just just time to rebuild. But now you think you can just salvage it, and it just leads you down to more years back because you put off the rebuild for too long. Right. That's the Wizards. They're making the right move here. Hopefully, they do go into a, a rebuild process. Kuzma's being rumored to decline his player option, which makes sense. He's only was only looking to get thirteen mil this year, so. Those probably sign a bigger contract elsewhere. Soon the Wizards have to just go in full rebuild mode, maybe get a piece or two for Chris Paul. But it was time for them. Porzingis, Kuzma, Beal. Come on. Did anyone actually think that was going to be a good team? You can't forget Corey Kispert. Oh, um, Corey Kispert, dude. How could I forget? I couldn't name you the, a fifth player on Washington. Which would call it? Uh, isn't there. Is Davis Burton still on <laughs> Washington? Well, I was going to say, isn't Taj Gibson on there? Or Taj on... Gibson's on the Wizards? I have no idea. It's like one I of can't those... remember. Is he on the Wizards or is he on Minnesota? He was on Minnesota at one point in his career. Hey, he's on the Wizards. Hey, yeah, all right. Look at you. I know. The Washington Wizards, dude. And they have Chris Paul. <laughs> That's crazy. Denny Advija. Abdiha. His team sucks. Is DeLon Wright on that team? <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Wow. Daniel Gafford. Yeah. The Gaff. We're kind of bringing it back to the Kings. That same day, the Kings were rumored to be interested 
or being or having a trade discussions with the Wizards for Bradley Beal. Like an hour or two later, Damian Barling of ESPN 1320 tweeted that the Kings were heavily pursuing OG and Anobi, which which just makes a lot more sense for the Kings. Small forward, great defender, a guy who can hit the three at a very high clip. Just seems like a guy who will fit this course timeline very well. He's signed for two more years, although his last year is a player option. But someone you, you kind of hope that since he does fit this course timeline, you might be able to resign him as well with Sabonis and Fox and Murray. How do you feel about OG and all these rumors? I mean, the fit is flawless if you could get it all working there in terms of impact on the floor, specific impact on the floor, age, all that stuff. It would definitely enhance the, the team, give them that guy that they, they want, and it'd fulfill what they've basically been probably wanting to do for maybe close to a year, but definitely in the last six months. I remember that Bleacher Report article from Eric Pincus that cited when the it seemed like the Raptors were kind of after a not the best start to the season, kind of seemed like this, the mediocrity of the Raptors was kind of known by everybody that they would be trading fellows like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And ever since then, it just was like crystal clear that this fit would be just insanely good because all year, even kind of coming into this off season, but all year it's just like, should they give Barnes a, an extension? I mean, like what realistic options are there for the Kings to get younger, more athletic, better defensively at that position set, you know, the, the groundwork for kind of that core to include a, a, a wing that has all the things that you want on both ends of the floor and has the same kind of age that uh, the rest of the guys in the core have, you know, the, the, the answers were slim, but the one that always made sense, the one that always came up was OG Ananobi. And you're at a point now where aggressively pursuing, yeah, you better be. That's the best option you got. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't get OG Ananobi, what do you resign Barnes? You're going to scrap together. You know, it's just like the options have far less appeal when you start thinking about them not getting Ananobi. So it'll be interesting. I don't know how the trade will go because I think they always say the Raptors are notorious for having high asking prices. So, and but also you have to take in consideration for this trade is that this could this could very well be a one year rental. It can be. I, I don't see OG declining that player option, or I see him declining that player option. Yeah, just because you know he can make more than eighteen mil a year. Being a second uh, team all defense, he scored what seventeen points a game last year on thirty eight percent from three, leading the league in steals. Like that, that's a twenty five million dollar guy at least, right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can convince him to stay, and that's important in itself, keeping him for or having him for a year. But if he leaves after one year. Oh man, I mean, I, I think I think that'll take the asking price a little more down, and I think teams realize that too. Because I don't I don't know what all in team that's looking at Ananobi, right? I mean, you have to be really all in to really give up a lot for him. Hmm. Because you're saying that there's little chance that you'd be able to sign him long term. I'm not saying there's little chance to sign him long term. I'm just saying that exists and that 
like obviously if he had like four years left on his contract, that would make him more valuable. But Jim, for him just having one year left, it makes I'm not saying him. I mean, it makes the trade value go down in my opinion, just because it's like, well, I'm not going to give up all this for a guy that might walk next year. Yeah, I mean that's definitely you got to bring it up. That's definitely true. But he's the guy that you want to try to keep, and he's the kind of guy that. I mean, like, it doesn't matter who the guy is. I don't think the Raptors are going to give a shit hearing that, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And is aggressively pursuing, the, the, the Raptors see this and they're like, okay, let's raise this price even higher. Yeah, I have, n- I have no clue. Thanks, Damien. <laughs> no, he just screws it over. He's just <laughs> playing right into it. But I guess that would be happening all the freaking time in this league. That's true. Well, he's the only person I've heard it from, though, at the moment. I haven't heard any other reporter. Like, big report. I just see people quoting him in his tweet. But it's kind of just being taken up as, as common knowledge, which is always kind of something you got to be kind of wary of. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, I mean, it also just kind of seems like one of those things where even if he if that report didn't come out, like, the assumption by most people that are at least aware of the Kings, like, I just laid it out there. Like, that whole issue of who's going to take over for Barnes, there's not a lot of, like, really savory options out there. Like Ananobi is the top option. Um, Mm -hmm. It'd be safe to assume that they were right. Like, yeah, things are going after the best option that they could possibly have in terms of fit. And if they can get it to work long-term plan, but I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it'll take (laughs) no shit. It'll take multiple first round picks. I don't know if that's two or three, or if some teams are going to, go crazy and offer more than that but i have I, it's it's hard to envision what the trade will look like because when whenever the raptors recently traded somebody like something hmm. big to rosen right that'd be interesting to look up did they did they trade lowry to the heat for a sign-in trade i have no idea but even that's a little different you're gonna have to ask siri for that one <laughs> <laughs> You have to get the third host, Rudy Gay to the Kings. Oh my God, that's well. Pfft. What are we even talking about Ananobi for? Bring Rudy back, Rudy. Oh my God, the familiarity. Come on, he he could call it basketball heaven. <laughs> A little more on OG though, and other potential suitors. I'm reading this report that the Raptors, Pacers, and Mavericks could engage. In a three-team deal that would send OG to Indiana, the number seven pick, and multiple first to Toronto, and our old friend Buddy Hill to Dallas. That'd be interesting. Boy. <laughs> It'd be kind of pissed if Indiana got them. I feel like they're kind of our rival right now with Halliburton in its own way. Like, okay, really? I think especially on the trade market, they're kind of like they're that they're that girl that you could compare to all the time. Like, I hate that bitch, you know? Like <laughs> It's just, uh, there's always going to be connections to it, especially in in, in trade discourse. So <laughs> I feel like whoever you want to make a decision as to who won that Halliburton Sabonis trade, it's whoever gets Ananobi. <laughs> That's a deciding factor. Just bring in a third party. Yeah. I mean, the Pacers are connected to Harrison Barnes, too. Yeah. And so are the Mavericks. I saw that they could be interested too. Why would Barnes want to go back to the team that like humiliated him? Like lightweight humiliated him. People, I feel like it's probably less humiliating for Barnes than it is people making a big deal out of it. But getting traded in the middle of the game. 
Like that got like a lot of flack for for some reasons, you know. Just seems, seems kind of disrespectful. Yeah, especially when you signed him as like, oh, he's going to be the guy that he's going to be our future. Now, obviously, that was just stupid to begin with. But where where do you see Barnes going if he doesn't stay with the Kings? I feel like with the more of these rumors coming out and like the Vezinkov situation and maybe Keegan Murray sliding down to the three, thinking about all this, it's like. I don't know. I just like I. I just don't see Barnes coming back. And yeah, would I Barnes d- even want to come back? It's like okay, we tried to get in and nobody couldn't get him. Like Barnes, you want to sign with us? It's like no. Well, I think that's the nature of the business. I don't know. I feel like especially a guy like Barnes that wouldn't affect as much. He's not Bones Highland, you know. Like, no, but like, I mean, other people have to be interested in him, right? I don't. I haven't really heard much on Barnes this year. I guess other than Indiana and the Mavericks, but. Yeah, Mavericks seem unlikely. Why? Why would you want to go back there? Yeah, it seems so odd. I just don't really get the fit. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Barnes, but Barnes is kind of he's the he's the type of guy though that's just like, I feel like every team would kind of want him. It just depends on the price. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. I mean, obviously the Kings would love to have. I mean, obviously in a dream world, him coming off the bench would be <laughs> just other end of the rainbow type of stuff, just pot of gold. But I feel like it, I wouldn't be surprised by like any team picking him up. Not any team. Like it'd be weird if Detroit picked him up. Yeah. But like any team that's kind of like an actual contender. That's like we got a little something right now. Let's try to do something with it. But like we, yeah, I don't know. I really want to come up with an answer though. I want to like. Come I know. I I have no idea. Room. I really don't. The Heat. I don't know. For some reason, the Heat makes sense to me. Yeah, because he's he's a versatile forward. That can shoot threes, so I feel like I could see them having them. Yeah, I guess the Heat. I think anybody that shoots threes is automatically in play for the Heat. Yeah, um, like the Knicks, maybe. I don't know. Who's there? Who's the Knicks three? Well, it'd be Hart if you resign with them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another guy, Josh Hart, like Kuzma. Probably is going to decline that player option. Those are. Potential small forwards the Kings could replace Barnes with as well if Ananobi doesn't. And I think we can both agree that Josh Hart is just the type of guy that you'd love to have. Mm -hmm. Does all the little things, hard worker. Great rebounder for his size. Just just terrific. Just be getting an absolute guardian angel, as it were, from the perimeter. But the only thing is, is it's just like I still see him re-signing with New York because he went to college with Jalen Brunson. Mm -hmm. And they're like... I was gonna like say something nasty, but they, you know, they're they're they're, they're pals. But I guess you were telling me pre-show that he's got a connection to De'Aaron Fox, so you can't necessarily rule out Sacramento. Yeah, they're buddies. I I don't, I mean, don't crucify me for this. I don't know why they're friends. Maybe they're video game pals. I just know that they're friends because they didn't go to school together, obviously. Or maybe maybe it's to their AAU days because they're about the same age, I believe. Yeah, I was gonna say, what year did Josh Hart get drafted? Josh Hart. Well, let me just look at his age. I got it right here. Okay. Yeah, he was drafted in 2017. Oh, okay, yeah. So they probably go back to AAU. I think that sounds right. And I'm just like pulling shit out of my ass. So I'm typing Josh Hart near and Fox. Fox blows my heart for Clutch King's bucket. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but it looks like at least through Twitter, they're they're buddies. Yeah, we met at work. Yeah, he's a work friend. Oh, it looks like they're they're gamers together. I kind of knew. I feel like that's what I kind of expected. I know Hart's a gamer and Fox is a gamer. 
that just amazes me that these athletes, these like real life gladiators, it's like, what do you guys do in your free time? We game. <laughs> like, I think I was reading a story about like Andre Karolinko. I don't remember who the teammate was. I think it was Channing Fry. And because I think both of them played World of Warcraft. Uh huh. And Channing Fry like went online one day at like two in the morning, like, like the night before a game. And Andre Kirilenko was online. He'd been playing all night. And uh, Channing Fry recalls like sending him a message being like, you ready for the game tomorrow? And, like Andre Kirilenko's like, I don't know, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Andre Kirilenko, just like being like a defensive just stud. I've always just loved Kirilenko and like, hearing something like that. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's awesome. I don't know, probably. <laughs> I don't know, probably. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> I like that. Those gamers, but I guess it makes sense because it's like athletes are competitive, and it's probably good recovery because you're sedentary. And it's true. Like contrast to all the activity they have. Yeah, and I was gonna say too, it's like they they play a game for a living. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense that they play a game for leisure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, Hart obviously more than Kuzma. I think Hart would be a little cheaper than Kuzma as well. I mean, I, don't know, I, I see a lot of Kings fans out there wanting Kuzma. I can see why. I mean, he had a really good year on the Wizards this past season. I think he's going to be a little expensive though. I think he's going to look for something somewhere in the twenty million a year range. But I mean, he did he did average twenty one seven and four this last season. So it's hard to ignore that. He did do it as a power forward though. But I guess you can move Keegan to the three that we've kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. He shot the three ball. Not very well, though. Not a very historically good three-point shooter. Uh, shot 33% last year. He's a career almost 34% shooter from outside. Hart's a little better. Not a ton better. Hart's a 35 career three-point shooter. But he does do the little things a lot better, I think. And someone you, he could you know mold around the team. Yeah. I, I think the thing with Kuzma is... I think Kuzma would be a good addition if he wasn't going to get paid or demand a ton of money. Like whatever he's going to get paid, I feel like it's going to be too much for what he gives you. I think he's a good option. I think he'd be good as like a third guy, like Fox Sabonis and and, and Kuzma. But I just don't feel like you're going to be getting what you pay for all the way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And also, I just don't know about fit. And I think the three-point shot is an interesting thing to point out. But Josh Hart just would make too much sense. If he were to be open to coming to Sacramento as opposed to staying in New York where he had a very positive experience. He shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just his 25 games in New York. Yeah, I know. 51%. I was like, what? what? I'm like, Tony, how did you not mention he shot 51% <laughs> yeah. last season? I'm like, what? That'd be crazy. Yeah, I don't know. But, man. I don't, again, I don't know if either of them are like totally believable, and like if I see it playing out that way. But if you're talking about something outside of Ananobi, well, you could chew on those guys for a bit, you know. They, they could there's something to eat there. It's mm-hmm. decent, but um, you know, I guess in talking about the off season, it's hard not to return to the subject of Sasha Vizenkov who was written about by Christos Saltus in Sportal. 
the Greek basketball or Greek sports <laughs> publication. Sportle. I know it sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> Sportle. Uh, I gotta click translate on this English. I don't read Greek, but there's a couple interesting takeaways from an article. I mean, basically the article was just talking about Sacramento's plans for Vizenkov, and you know that that role that they that Saltis said he heard from uh, a source essentially was that they planned for or they intend him to back up Keegan Murray uh, at the four. And also they foresee, apparently the Kings foresee Vezenkov and Keegan Murray playing together because there's going to be the intention to kind of utilize Murray at the three spot next season in quote, in order to get all the good elements out of his game end quote. So for one, this kind of like clarifies the idea of what the, what the Kings are looking to do. Also, just an interesting note, they say that the fact that they're pursuing OG Ananobi, quote, also plays an important role in all of this. So that's interesting to note. But one of the, aside from clarifying the role, being the backup to Keegan Murray, what does this say about, about Trey Lyles' future with Sacramento? I mean, he, wanted, he wants to stay with the Kings. Obviously, he had a great experience. You and I can agree, and I think a lot of people can agree, that he was one of the best players per his role on the team last season. And I mean, he was in a lot of the playoff games they did win. He was a huge part in it. If Vizenkov's going to come in and be the backup four, I read that at first as, well, there's a good chance they don't bring back Lyles. What do you think? Uh, no, I don't know. I just, I just see Lyles coming back. Even if he's not the backup four, we've talked about it enough where he could be the backup five. Chimezi Metu was our back at five. Lyles is the same height. I think he weighs a little more. And he's someone you can use as a legit stretch five off the bench. If the Kings, you know, can't find anyone, or maybe they're just, or can't find anyone in free agency, or maybe they're just like, you know what, Lyles, might as well just have Lyles as a stretch five. Because I don't see why not. If Metu was doing it, Lyles is obviously the better option at the back at five. I, I just don't see Lyles not resigning. He was so critical to this team. Seemed critical to the chemistry of the team as well, along with everyone. He knew his role like to a T. Like at this point, I'd rather have Lyles than Bezenkov on the team. And I, I I mean he's proved himself and he played extremely well last year. So I just don't I think bringing in Bezenkov, I d I don't think that's anything to say against Lyles. I think if they really want Sasha to be the backup four, I think they have other plans for Trey at that point. I think I think you have, you make a really good point. And I think one of the things that really backs it all up is one, Lyles' willingness to, not just willingness, his, his desire to be back with Sacramento, but also just the fact that he's expressed it so many times in interviews and stuff like that. And you can just kind of read it from watching him play. And the fact that you noted there, he always knows his role, sticks to his role, and even kind of outperforms what he's supposed to be doing out there just by being a star in his role. But another thing that just kind of seems evident is just that he's willing to do anything, whatever it takes. And when he gets asked about specifically that game in Minnesota where Sabonis fouled out and he had to fill in as the five in, in overtime, there's just... 
such an openness to doing anything. And that really doesn't even seem like that much of a difference when you really think about it. It's not that much of a difference from what he does. It's not really going to change the way he plays or anything. He'll just go up against bigger guys. And if you can just kind of like buttress that center position with whoever the third center is on the roster, adds, have more size there, you know, in case matchups dictate that, well, maybe Lyle's, you maybe don't want to necessarily go small five there. But you have that there, you're going to be good to go because if you think about it, it's like two-thirds of the season, maybe more, was played by Chemezi Metsu playing 10 to 15 minutes a game in the backup center role. And him being a small five worked at times, despite the fact he didn't shoot the three. So if you all, all of a sudden have that small five who's a better rebounder, a better shooter, a better team player, higher awareness, positional defender, all these things, the only thing that Metsu really has on Lyles is athleticism. Well, all of a sudden, you you actually are really like boosting your team. You're maintaining that chemistry you're talking about. I think his connection to Fox in particular really kind of shone through very brightly all throughout last year. And um, yeah, again, kind of bringing it back to us because it's about you and me, Tony, at the end of the day. <laughs> we really like watching Trey Lyles. He's just, if you are, if you're watching basketball with a young basketball player, you tell them to watch Trey Lyles. Because, of course, you know, you always hear like Katie Christensen say that about Davion Mitchell. And I don't disagree because what Davion Mitchell does on the defensive end is special. But just like in terms of, I don't know, maybe I would say this because in my family gene pool, we don't have physical athletic tools to be really good at basketball. So you would tell that kid <laughs> to watch <laughs> Trey Lyles, to fill in, to do the things that you can do, which can be really impactful. Mm -hmm. And maybe just for that reason, just wanting to watch him again. I just I, I could totally see the Kings doing that. And even really when you think about it, the more and more you think about it, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It it, it would I'd be shocked if Lyles doesn't come back unless he's like just starts asking for like an unreasonable amount of money that we could probably pay it back up. That's the only reason I see him walking. But he wants to stay here. He seems like he found a good home in Sacramento with the Kings. So if anything, I could see him taking a little bit of a discount. I mean he and he's not like He's no spring chicken, as you say. I mean, he's going to be, what, 31, 30, 30 this year? You know? I think he's going to be 29. I think he's only 27 it, or 28. Geez. Yeah, no, because he came out of Kentucky as a freshman. Yeah, he's only 27. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that crazy? It's like a guy who gets drafted, like, it feels like close to a decade ago. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, no, he's still. That was, what, 2014, right? Something like that, yeah. I think it was. Maybe 15? Oh, 15, yeah, because he got drafted with like the rest of the Kentucky boys with Willie, um, mm -hmm. Willie Trill, Devin Booker, and Cat. And I guess they're not that old. I guess they're not pushing 30. He just always seems older for some reason. I mean, because he hasn't really found his place like Booker or Cat. Yeah. Yeah, Willie Collie's down to like 29. That's crazy. Did he get a job last year? Did he get like a 10 day contract? Willie? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns is 27. Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker's the youngest of the guys. He's 26. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, he fits the core <laughs> at that point. Am I crazier when people were talking about all those guys coming out of there? Like, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns was, like, the, the front runner. But why do I feel like Willie Cauley-Stein was always, like, considered... The second? Because I'll tell you why. Willie Cauley-Stein... Because he has his versatility... Yeah, we were just like, he can guard the one through the five. He was supposed to be like who Rudy Gobert is now, I think. 
He was supposed to be like the defensive guy, but also very agile and guard guards. Right. Yeah, and that never happened. Nah. Willie <laughs> Trill. Trill. <laughs> I just remember one time I was watching. <laughs> I don't know why. Just like Willie Trill. Just a dunker, right? That's all he ever did. And it was like the King just bringing up the ball in the half court and he just passed it to Willie. <laughs> like the top of the three-point lane, he just drains it. I was like, what? <laughs> it was like the craziest thing. He just he just drained a three out of nowhere. Like early into the shot clock too. Like, all right. <laughs> it was so trippy. I'm like, okay. Like can he do that? <laughs> you know? Is that his game? I feel like it being specifically Collie Stein is just it does make it kind of odd. It was very I mean, I'm looking up now his totals. Did he even shoot three? He's made I mean he never made more than three threes in a season. <laughs> And so for him just to do that, I'm like, oh. What was his like career high in attempts? In a season? Yeah. Twelve. I mean, if man, Collie Stein was like five years younger and would have had the peace of mind as a younger player to develop a jump shot. I don't know if it's that simple though, but he could have just been like a Porzingis type if he really played his cards right. I mean, I feel like this was gonna see like in I mean, especially since Steph took off. And I mean, you're kind of seeing it more now. So, like, Victor went by Anna and stuff like that. But I feel like even in like five, 10 years, I feel like everyone's going to know how to shoot. It's going to be rare if you don't. I just feel like it's just the NBA and just basketball in itself. Yeah. It's kind of like baseball playing multiple positions now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Just so, like, you use so many guys that can play infield and outfield. And that's like, that was kind of crazy. Like, that was kind of like a special thing, like, 10, yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah, which is funny because, like, why, whatever. Like, why why can't you track down a fly ball? No, seriously, you're a professional baseball player. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? I feel like anyone could play the outfield. Any any position player could play the outfield in baseball. Yeah, they and that's always, like, probably the most common thing is to make a first baseman a left fielder because they can't play anywhere else in the infield. So mm-hmm. that's true. You got to go out in the left field. Mm-hmm. Catch the easy ones. You don't have to have a great arm. Just stay in front of it. Yeah, exactly. Keep him, keep it to a double. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember, just a side note, I remember when the Giants were playing, I think they had Aubrey Huff in left field because they had just brought up Brandon Belt. Yeah. And we still had Pat Burrell. Like, at a certain point, we were still doing this. It was before he got hurt in his, like, second, in his first full season with the Giants, I guess you would say. And so there was at one point we had a couple of games where you'd have Aubrey Huff in left and Pat Burrell in right. Or I think they might even kept Pat Burrell in left field and made Aubrey Huff play right field. I think it was like, Aubrey in right, dude. Yeah. It was just so nerve wracking. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. But now it's just like, you should be able to do that. Like, what the hell's the issue? <laughs> I know, for real. Catch a ball. He dropped a pop up. <laughs> or like playing that carom. Yeah, yeah, the carom. Yeah, I always, that's always, it must be the hardest part, right? That's why they always practice those. Yeah, especially in San Francisco and right field. That's true. Yeah, I know that. You knew, you knew I learned that ricochet. Yeah. Nobody played that ricochet better than Randy Wynn. Randy Wynn. Man. Okay, we need to stop talking about baseball. Okay, back to the Kings. Um, I guess kind of all we have left is, um, well, D Day. D-Day. <laughs> Draft day? 
yeah. were you going to say? Draft day. No, that is kind of it. I'm looking at my notes here. Yeah. The draft is this Thursday. As we've been talking about the last couple of podcasts, Kings have the 24th overall pick. Just a plethora of players that the Kings have the opportunity to maybe draft there, maybe not draft there. It's just it's a weird spot. The spot the Kings haven't been in in, in years because we're usually drafting top five. Seems like more like top ten. Yeah, they've had like picks in the twenties, but they've usually had picks before then. We in the picks in the twenties. It's usually like you know Malachi Richardson, Malachi Richardson, or <laughs> Richard Skins. <laughs> <laughs> or a scallop this year. Um, so just, you know, giving it all our attention this time. So that's only first round pick. It's a little different. And you're realizing that it's hard to guess who's going to go 24. Because you don't know if they're who's going to be there then and whatnot. So it's been interesting as we cover it. John, if you, I, I think I asked you this last time. So I'm not going to ask it again, but yeah, you said no, Ryan you're going to ask it again because I got a different answer. Okay, I was just going to say you said Ryan Rupert last time of who you think the Kings would draft. Has that changed? And it sounds like it has. Well, to clarify, last week I said it's either going to be Rupert or Whitehead. I still feel oh, like yeah. Rupert's in play, but I feel like Whitehead will probably be gone. Maybe like by the you know a few picks, I would say Rupert and Maxwell Lewis. Maxwell Lewis. Just because I'm just like looking at the like consensus, taking together like a bunch of different mock drafts and just kind of synthesizing it into one based on averages. Like Rupert, like they have in, in this one, they have the Kings picking Noah Clowney. But Jude I would Davion's say. Davion's brother? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> both out of the SEC. <laughs> and uh, Ryan Rupert is 25. What? Well, this is the big board, I guess I should say. Technically speaking, they have Chris Murray oh, going 20. They they have, 25 years old. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no yeah, maybe he's going to be the perfect prospect at 25. <laughs> you know? But I guess, like, the big board has Ryan Rupert at 25 and Clowney at 24. They still have Chris Murray technically going 24 because so many different mock drafts have, have him going 24, which has just totally skewed the that, that the projection synthesis here but Rupert and Maxwell and it's just like you start looking at the players I guess what I'm trying to say after 24 here that are on the big board it's Rupert Gigi Jackson Colby Jones Maxwell Lewis Brandon Podzemski and I feel like Rupert makes it just so much sense I would I, I would put money just singularly on Rupert getting picked by the Kings even if he sticks around with the Kings where they end up trading him especially if you're talking about some kind of trade with the Raptors. Don't you think Ryan Rupert would be the type of guy the Raptors would love to have in retooling? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about a guy that could technically become OG Ananobi. Yeah. Honestly, the shooting upside that he potentially could have, he could definitely be that kind of like two way dominant defender, add a little bit, something in spacing the floor. So Rupert or Lewis. And I just feel like Lewis for a completely different reason. Like, Lewis on the basis of them, like not necessarily having him part of the nightly rotation, but in play, like a kind of like how a lot of good teams use rookies, excluding guys like Christian Brown, but guys that kind of just get their feet wet in the rookie year and kind of get, I guess, ushered in slowly over the course of a season or two into the rotation. Maxwell Lewis could be good. And I like that Pepperdine connection. I just, <laughs> I just, I just stick by it. I just, I could just see Doug Christie just being like, 
I get Kessler Edwards in there. You know, the club option hasn't even been picked up on him, and he's just telling <laughs> guys in the front office what to do. Yeah, pick him up, Pepperdine. Got to do it. Got to get another wave. Without their mascot, they're the waves. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I don't. <laughs> no idea. Like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like their hairstyle. I didn't think Doug Christie had hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? The wave. Interesting. What are the, the, the Pepperdine weaves? Your, we- your weaves on point. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, did you did you have any uh, changes in terms of who they might pick? Did you say Chris Murray last time? I said Chris Murray last time. I'm just gonna stick with it. That's good. I don't know. I would like Chris Murray on the Kings. He kind of fits the game plan a little, and he's a good. Uh, he's just like his brother, better rebounder, not as good as a three point shooter, but a high character guy. And I just don't know. It's just so hard. There's just so many options here. It's just hard for me to pick one. I could feel like I'd say five guys, and they all have the same chance in my head to go to the Kings. I just seen seems like a lot of people are saying Chris Murray, so I feel like that's why I'm saying Murray. I think that's fair. I think when you put when you look at it from that angle, it's like okay, I can actually kind of see why people just keep saying Murray because it's impossible to mock this position in the draft. Anyways, might as well just go with the one that people would be most intrigued by, you know, on a cursory level. It doesn't take, oh, well, I can get the twins together. That'd be great. Good for the Kings. Like, couldn't you just see somebody in the Midwest reading that? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just, I'm going to stick with Murray. And he's projected, you know, as high as, you know, 19 and some drafts as low as I see the ringer have dropped him down to 27 to the Hornets. Wow. Yeah. So who knows? Like, is that, who knows? That's like nine or it's eight spots a difference right there. So. I'm going to stick with Murray. I think it would be cool to get him. Keegan was a hit in his first year. Uh, I think Murray could. <laughs> I think Murray. I think Chris could too. So, But who knows? That's the end of the day. It's it's a weird spot. I'm not used to this. Usually we're like last year was like, all right, well, do they take Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray? That's kind of the, <laughs> the talk. And that was even kind of just manufactured because it just seemed so obvious that they weren't going to pick Ivey. Yeah. So Especially after a certain point. There. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it could not. It, at the end of the day, it might not matter because they could end up just using the pick, making the pick, and then just trading that fella right away. Or yeah, that is true. Straight to the Raptors, a draft day trade. We have a trade. <laughs> That'd be cool though. If the Kings did OG, man, that would be oof. If they don't have to give up too much, like we laid out earlier, there's a reason they're aggressively pursuing them. That's just the perfect. It, and that's a key. If they don't have to give up too much, I would be so excited for next year if they got OG. I'd be like, dang, this like, I mean, I don't know if they're. I mean, obviously, right at this moment with their team, they're not championship contenders, not in my eyes. But man, if you get OG and the Kings really start clicking as like, you know, because the third, you know, I didn't really see him like, okay, they're the third seed, they're a championship contender. But like the second season, really growing as a team and adding in a young guy like. OG who could fit the team perfectly. It's like, oh man, they really build off the last year and like Sabonis and Fox really, you know, make the name as one of the better duos in this league with OG. It's like the team can actually go somewhere. So I'd be super excited. There's a reason people talk about the Nuggets and the Kings. I mean, I think the Beal trade probably puts the Suns right back. I mean, I think already they were already in the conversation as being one of the better teams in the Western Conference, but Mm-hmm. Maybe you start talking about those three teams, but 
even before this Buell trade, it seemed like there were a lot of people d- directly in the aftermath of the championship. It's like obviously the Nuggets, but then you start looking at maybe a more younger, less experienced upside coming into their own, going to continue inching their way into the center stage of the NBA, the Sacramento Kings, man. I mean, that is just seems like something that's kind of getting to that point where it's like projections are indicating that they're going to be even better than they were last season. And I think OG and Anobi just, man, that would take it to a whole nother level. Yeah, that would be exciting. So, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, the draft is Thursday. So, I mean, not only could we be looking forward to possibly, you know, the the, ne- the Kings' next first-round draft pick, but who knows? A trade could be made once that draft is in. So, it'll be exciting to to sit there and listen and watch. Even though, what, the 24th pick? God, it's going to you're gonna have to watch for. I mean, that's that's on what like two hours into the draft. Yeah, it's gonna take so long. I honestly probably won't turn it on. I mean, I'll probably turn it on with like the lottery ends, just so I'm like, okay, who's who's here and who's not. But it's just so funny. Cause I used to turn the draft on right when it would come on because you know the Kings weren't too far in. Now it's like I don't, I don't really care who these other teams pick, especially with the Kings. You know, they're not gonna drop to the Kings, so it'd be a different experience for sure. A good one though even though it's less exciting. And with the seventh pick in the NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Bismack Biombo. Man, NBA 2K12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, hey, man, I like what this really does feel like, or really kind of technically is for all 30 teams. It's the beginning of the offseason. And these next couple weeks, draft, and then free agency will start in the beginning of July. A lot to look forward to. Yeah, not too far after. July 1st, too. That's a Saturday, actually. I'm used to it being on like a weekday when I'm like at work and like looking at my phone. But yeah, now it's... You just get to immerse yourself. Yeah, July 1st. Right at 12 p.m. So everyone just starts signing. Okay, yeah, that's not that's not tampering. Or what do they call it? <laughs> tampering. No, yeah, it's like a, uh, the... Yeah. Well, the Bulls Definitely. and Knicks finally got docked, right? Or the Bulls and... Sixers? Sixers, yeah, it's the Sixers. Yeah. It's like long yeah. They did yeah, stupid. Oh well. Good going, guys. Idiot. <laughs> That's what all the other twenty eight teams are saying that are doing the same exact thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. What you got anything else or I think that covers that it's not it's no point at this point with kind of just being on the precipice of everything. And trying to dive too far ahead of it, let things kind of come to us at this point. It seems like this is a big week. Yeah, big week ahead. Like you said, Thursday, I don't know, 5 p.m. I'm assuming. I guess I don't know. 5 p.m. Pacific is usually I when it think starts. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'll look it up, I guess, because I'm not. It might be like 4 30. Yeah, I feel like it starts at 4 30. I think it says 4 30, and then you just like talk for 30 minutes, and then the first yeah. pick's not to like five. Like, why did coverage you say five? begins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when coverage begins, exactly. Got to get that advertising money, I guess. We, we wouldn't know about that here at Cap City Crown. <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited to talk about the King's new pick, maybe a trade next week with you. But until then, I want to thank you all for tuning in and have a good one.